0: Welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at UncoveringIntimacy.com. Today we're answering a bunch of questions from July and August of this year. Well, summer is gone and done and we're going to try to get back into the swing of things here. Uh, I'm going to do my best to answer answer these each and every month rather than batching two months together as I've been doing. Uh, It's just taking too long for people to get answers and I want to be able to get to them sooner. If you're new to the community, these posts are all about questions we received from our Anonymous Have a Question page. Usually, I don't get contact info, so I can't ask follow-up questions or for more context or anything, Um, so I do my best to give an answer and give some ideas based on what I've got. I also post these questions in our supporters forum as soon as I get them there, and we discuss them there as well. And those discussions help inform my responses as well. So... If you want to be part of that process, consider supporting us and getting access to our forum so you can be part of that discussion. So with that out of the way, let's get to the questions. So first one is from a wife. She writes, I'm wondering if you have any insight into how often people's sex drive switch from low to high overtime time." and why that happens. My husband, who's 36, has had a low sex drive for a really long time, but he's been trying to get healthier and he thinks it'll change by losing belly fat and exercising. His testosterone isn't low anymore either, but his drive is still pretty low. So I'm afraid I don't have any stats on how often sex drives change. That said, I can tell you that sex drives can change based on a lot of factors. uh, Hormones, health, stress, uh, your partner, your age, your sleep, your diet, your water intake, your exercise, medication, and a bunch of other things. Uh, you know, what we call sex drives are always in flux, and it's different from person to person on what factor will affect their drive in what way and to what degree. Uh, what degree. For example, about for about 10% of the population, um, they actually see a, an, an increase in sex drive when they're heavily stressed, whereas the other 90% uh, stress is a libido killer. And it's quite possible that losing weight and exercising can help improve that. Um, exercising definitely increases uh, testosterone and being overweight adds stress to the body, so removing that stress can help. But it's impossible to say for sure as we don't know exactly what's causing the low drive. It's also quite possible that he simply has more of a responsive desire than a spontaneous desire. So um, if you don't know what those are, uh, I'll link to that post in the show notes. Our next question is about squirting. Uh, this person writes, Hi, both my wife and I have been married for a few years and have been exploring and trying to find some new ideas in the bedroom. We both have an interest in having my wife squirt. We are not exactly sure how to accomplish this. And I was wondering if you had any, quote unquote, safe resources that we could possibly learn from uh, to stay away from any nudity or pornographic images. And one of our supporters actually found an article at Women's Health Magazine that's that's safe. Uh, they go into in depth, in, in like an actual step-by-step how-to. Uh, there's no pornographic images or any, anything. It's well, it's a Women's Health magazine, um, so I will link to that, and you can go check it out. Question three is: uh, This husband writes, "My wife told me that she's into whipping. How and where can I learn?" what that exactly means or how to do it. So this brings up a few questions. The first is, how does she know it's something that she's into? Um, That would probably be my first question, because that might be an important discussion. Uh, After that, you should know that uh, whipping, from what I understand, I've never done it, is a rather advanced form of impact play that has a fairly high degree of risk, uh, more so if you're a beginner. So it's not something I'd want to try starting with. If you want to try impact play, I'd start with spanking using your bare hand. Uh Physiologically, it has more benefits, uh, there's less risk, and you get more feedback because it's your hand. It's also far easier to learn as a beginner. Now, I had once written uh, a post on spanking for one of our challenges one year, uh but it's not on the site at the moment. So I'm going to see if I can dig that up and clean it up, and post it, and then I'll put a link to that. So stay tuned. If you're not on our newsletter, you might want to join it at uncoveringintimacycom slash subscribe. And that way you can be informed when it gets posted. All right, question four is, uh, this person writes, after much discussion, prayer, and reading, my sweet hubby and I decided to try anal sex. I personally loved it. This is the wife writing. My hubby enjoyed it as well, but mostly because I did. My research prior to engaging in the act was mostly me wanting to make sure it was okay with the Lord. I finally felt peace about it. This website helped me out a lot. Thanks, JD. You're very welcome. I did take the advice about using lots of lube, relaxing, and going slow. Are there any other important things or tips I should know to keep the activities fun and safe? Thanks. Well, you got the main ones, but there might be some more. So just to reiterate on some of what you said and to add to it, uh, the first is lube, which is incredibly important. Depending on the person, you may need more or less. Almost everyone will want more. Now, many people say that, you know, the anus doesn't self-lubricate, but for some people it actually does. I, I can't remember what the percentage of the population that is. Uh, it's definitely not a majority, but, uh, for some people, they actually do self-lubricate there, in the same way the vagina does. Uh, as well, a lot of people go from PIV, so penis and vagina sex, to anal sex. And again, depending on the person, the time of their cycle, viscosity of their fluids and everything, that may be enough. That said, more is usually better uh, second is relax if you are tense it might hurt uh, and it shouldn't hurt it might feel uncomfortable at first especially if you're not used to it but it shouldn't hurt if it does then something is wrong you're either progressing too early you're not aroused enough or you're thrusting too quickly or there's not enough lube or you're too tense or something uh, if you can't relax then maybe it's not for you at this time um, there are actually two sphincters involved in anal sex. Uh, one you can consciously relax; it's the outer one, and the other one's more towards the interior, and that one you can't consciously relax. It's a, it's an autonomic response. So you have to, you simply just have to be relaxed. You can't will it to open. Um, forcing that will, that's what, that's what will hurt. Third is be aroused. Uh, The more aroused you are, the more lubricant people tend to produce, uh, the more blood flow in the area, which helps both relaxing the muscles and increasing the pleasure. So in short, arousal makes everything better. And lastly is do not go from anal sex to penis and vagina sex. They are two very different biological systems with different bacteria and uh to reduce your chance of infection, just make sure you clean up well if you decide to go back to vaginal sex. Uh, This goes for fingers, toys, and anything else. I think that's about it. Uh, Our next question is from a guy who's single and curious about erections. So he writes, thank you for this blog. I'm single but curious about sex, so I appreciate the healthy open discussion that you provide. Uh, As a side note, I'm finding more and more we're starting to get um, single and engaged people reading, um, trying to prep for sex life because they have no idea what's gonna happen because nobody talks about it. And frankly, that scares them. So, uh, if you are single and listening out there, you're not alone. There's, I'd say probably about 10% of my readers, I think, are single or engaged or divorced or widowed. So, basically not married. Anyways, his question goes, I get erections pretty easily, especially when I hold hands or kiss. I, I'm pretty confident in my self-control. I've never had sex or masturbated, and I've never felt like I'm near the edge when kissing. I might, that I might lose control or go too far, but I don't know if getting erections during these safe activities is something I should be concerned about, embarrassed about, or not worry about at all. So basically, erections are a normal biological response. Uh, I don't think you should feel concerned or embarrassed about them. That's not to say others won't make you try to feel embarrassed about them, but I wouldn't worry about it. It's just your body kind of revving up and prepping. Um, it's normal and healthy. As you get older, that happens less. Uh, as you have more experiences, that happens less. Um, so it's not like it's going to be like that your entire life. It's just, but in short, no, it's not something to worry about. In fact, it's, it's a healthy, normal response. All right, next question, number six. Uh, this husband writes, Jay, firstly, thank you for reading this. Second, love the website. Awesome. Uh, so here's my dilemma or situation. I have a high drive. My wife knows this. I always figured she had a slow slash non-existent drive. Uh, she had been telling me I talk a lot in my sleep, so I discovered a sleep talk app a few weeks ago and gave it a whirl. I haven't told her I downloaded it. While well, the audio picked up me sleeping slash snoring, But she was also having some alone time and it's been every night since i got the app so really who knows how long this has been going on different points in the night 11 12 2 30 4 5 now my struggle is this we only have sex every couple of months and this discovery is absolutely devastating me wondering if i should ask her about this or just trying to stay awake and ask her what she's doing just need some guidance so this, unfortunately, happens from time to time. A low-drive spouse is caught or found to have been masturbating regularly. It can be absolutely infuriating for the higher-drive spouse. Uh, just a disclaimer, though, depending on where you live, uh, what you did might technically be illegal because you co- recorded someone without their knowledge. Um, hopefully that's not an issue between spouses, but I thought I should mention it because, you know, things happen. Uh, moving on there are can be a lot of reasons why a spouse with a lower drive, uh, might choose to masturbate rather than sex. It could she, be she's not interested in that. She's interested in sexual pleasure, just not in having sex, uh, or not in having sex with you. Uh, I don't know you or your relationship, so I'm just going to list off some of the reasons why someone might not want to have sex. Uh, The first is physical security. This could range from abuse to pain during sex to being scared of getting pregnant or getting an STD, SDI. But if she feels like having sex could physically compromise or otherwise hurt her in some way, then that's a reason she may not want to have sex but still have a desire to have an orgasm. second is emotional security. Um, many women have a need to feel emotionally connected before having sex, uh, or they feel that need. Uh, there's, if there's something going on in your relationship that's causing her to feel emotionally unsafe, that could be why she's unwilling to have sex. And the third is just simply selfishness, um, which is unfortunately a growing trend these days, uh, it can be considered work to have sex with somebody. You have to worry about not only your own pleasure, but theirs as well. You can't just focus on yourself. And so some people would prefer simply to have an orgasm without all that fuss of having to worry about another person. Uh, it's basically, it's very me-centric. And, or maybe there's something else that I missed. Um, but the question is, what should you do about it? I personally am a big fan of communicating openly. I'd simply tell her what happened, that you were recording to see how often you talk in your sleep, and you accidentally caught her masturbating. Now, you probably should have talked to her after the first time, so uh, you're going to have to probably apologize for continuing to record her knowing what was going on. And personally, I'd go with the truth that you didn't know how to deal with it. And then just say you... St- you still really don't know what to do with that, Uh that you find it a bit surprising and confusing and you feel a bit hurt. I think it's I think it's OK to say, you know, you feel hurt by this, Um but that you'd love to understand what's going on. And that way, it's not an accusation. It's not saying, hey, you did this and hurt me. It's more like this happened. I feel hurt. I want to understand so that we can move forward and then see what she says. All right. Question seven. This one's from a wife. She writes, firstly, I've been married for five years. Three weeks ago, I found out that my husband had a fake Facebook account and he was searching all these random women, including ex-girlfriends he used to date before we got married. He would comment inappropriate things on the pictures and he would masturbate to their pictures. So I was pretty upset when I asked him why. All he can say is he doesn't know. I don't know what to do because he can't seem to answer why he did in the first place. I have so many questions to try and understand all of this. We have two kids, and he has been doing this for the past five years. This is not the first time I've caught him. Before I found out, I would ask him if he was still doing it, and he would tell me he wasn't. I just want to know why he did it, and what is so pleasurable about them that he keeps going back. It's not like we don't have sex. We do. But I don't understand his reason for searching for his ex-girlfriend. And, uh, it goes on to pretty much just elaborate on that more. So, uh, I don't have an answer to the question about why men do this. Not all men do this. Uh, hopefully not most men do this. Uh, but the long and short of it is I don't, I don't have an answer for why. It's probably different for each person. Uh, neither, no one in our support group, uh, knew either. But, since it's been going on for five years at this point, I think it might be fair to say that it's a habit or an addiction, and he may not even know himself why he does it anymore. Um, that doesn't mean it's okay uh let me be clear it's not okay what he's doing whatsoever. Um, as for how you know he won't do it again you you don't know uh, I personally wouldn't trust that he wouldn't uh if it's an addiction um that he's not simply being malicious or uncaring. If that's the case, then he needs uh, help, love, and understanding. And again, we're not saying that it's okay that he's doing it. Uh, he needs to stop, but he needs uh, love and support to stop, not anger and hatred. In any case, I think it's fair to make some boundaries. Uh, I'd highly suggest you read the book uh, Boundaries in Marriage by Henry Cloud to understand how to make healthy boundaries. Um, clearly, I think you should delete the secret Facebook account. Uh it might be wise for him to stay off of Facebook entirely if he can't help himself or if it's too much temptation. I'd also suggest looking into something like covenant eyes, which will filter the internet as well as give you warnings. If he starts to slip, Uh might be a little difficult with Facebook because that's not typically considered like a porn site, but you will be able to see his habits and, uh, it does take periodic screenshots so you can see, Oh, he's on Facebook when he's not supposed to be. So that might be helpful. Um, And again, the idea is to hold him accountable and to let help him, give him the support he needs to stop, not to point a finger and say, you did it again. Now, if that pattern continues, then you might need to seek outside help. Um, Because while accountability is not popular anymore, I think in cases like this, it might be wise to give him a warning and say, you know, if this happens again, I'll be taking it to our church leadership so that they can pray for us. And actually, you might want to talk to them already. Uh, ask if they will talk to your husband about it, uh, because you've already tried to approach your husband multiple times, and he's not stopping. So and if that doesn't work, then when people start asking how things are going, then tell them. Um, it's a lot easier to live uh, a life of sin when it's hidden in the dark. Uh, when it's brought into the light, that's when people tend to change. Uh, it's not a popular view anymore, but I think that's the biblical approach based on, I think it's Matthew 18. Anyways, I'm afraid I can't answer the question of why, but hopefully that gives you some options to work with uh, moving forward. All right, question eight. Uh, this is about porn addiction ruining uh, this guy's relationships. So he writes, Hello, my question is that my ex-wife and I have been divorced for six years, separated for almost 10 years. We were married for 24 years. I have a problem with pornography for probably 30 years. A lot was due to shame my stepdad instilled in me when I was 13 years old. I've always loved girls slash women, but my low self-esteem kept my dating in check until I went into the military at 19. My lack of self-love affected my ability to be intimate. I just had sex and ran, until we got married. Our sex life was awesome. She loved sex, but I started using porn and it exploded with the internet. We still had sex, but I still used porn. It got out of control and it started... S-A-A, so that's Sex Addicts Anonymous, and that helped, but still had the lingering insecurities and low self-confidence. I ruined many relationships after our divorce, and eventually found a great therapist who has helped with the intense shame. I haven't had a girlfriend in almost four years, and I feel that affects my self-confidence. I understand self-love is important. Trying to fight off the porn, which I feel affects my ability to find a great girl- girlfriend. Any ideas? So honestly, I think the best bet is to work on your relationship with God. This could potentially solve multiple issues that you kind of bring up. For one, it's a lot harder to watch porn if you've recently spent time with God. Uh, If you haven't been spent time praying in days or reading scripture even longer, it's a lot easier to forget that he's around. Uh, Because while God is always there, our focus tends to kind of wax and wane. But if you have just closed your Bible, it's a lot harder to think, okay, God, why don't you go run off for a bit while I watch some porn? Uh, secondly, as one of our supporters mentioned in the forum, uh, our self-worth as Christians should primarily come from God. So spending time in His Word teaches us about His love for us, which is, which increases our self-love because, uh, He shows His love for us in there. And lastly, spending time with God also goes well with spending time with other believers. You know, get involved in your church, uh, volunteer, meet other single women who are also interested in following God and giving of their time. Get to know them as friends and then see if something develops. Um, so basically my idea is to work on your relationship with God. My guess would be that's what's holding you back here. All right, question nine. Uh he just simply writes, married three years. What does it mean if my wife tells me she could go months without sex? First year of marriage, sex life was great several times a week. Now, maybe once a week. Kind of kills my confidence to hear that. Yeah, I completely understand how that kills your confidence. My wife has said the same thing to me. And to be honest, it hurt. Uh, years later, I learned about responsive desire, which I linked to in the show notes. Um, if she, All she's saying is that when she says she could go months without sex, that's without any impetus, so without anyone actively arousing her. She tends to just stay unaroused. Um, if her desire is responsive, that means she has to respond to something. Uh, it's not about you, it's about how her arousal works. So I would suggest learn how to actively arouse her better that can be kind of a frustrating experience and a process because some of the things you're going to try aren't going to work, but it's also kind of fun when it does work out and you both find something that turns her on. All right, this next question is really long, like it's a full page. Um, So if you want to read through the whole thing, you can go to the website and see it in the blog post for this episode, but the very short version is, uh, this is a wife whose husband has Asperger's syndrome, which if you don't know what that is, it's, um, a high functioning person on the autism spectrum. So, um, one of the problems that she's experiencing is that sex is very kind of ritualistic for him. It's simply, you know, step one, do touch her here. Step two, kiss her there. Step three, uh, manual, stimulation tells you orgasms. Uh, he's not interested in intercourse. Um, he's not either good at oral sex or can't pick up on her signals, so it doesn't work out well. And basically, their sex life is very frustrating for her because he's neuroatypical. And then at the end, she just asked, do you have any suggestions? I'm so emotionally tired of carrying this load all by myself. And I'm afraid my answer is going to be quite short compared to her very long question. Uh, he has Asperger's syndrome. He's neurotypical. All the usual stuff is not going to work. Uh, it sounds like he's fairly Asperger's typical, though. So if you learn more about that, uh, learn to communicate in ways that he understands, and then learn to share how you feel in ways that make sense to him, uh, that might help a lot. Because honestly, he's going to have a seriously hard time understanding your perspective without a lot of work. It's going to be very alien to him. And while it's not fair to you that you have to kind of bear the load of com- com- finding ways to communicate better, you being more neurotypical are going to have a lot easier time relating to him than he is to you, just because your brain has that ability to be more empathic a better theory of mind and stuff like that. And unfortunately, there's a reason that marriages to people who are high on the autism spectrum don't work out. Uh, They're very difficult and frustrating to live with. It's not impossible, uh, but it's certainly going to add some additional challenges. To be honest, I think most of the people that don't work out, they simply are unwilling to put in the work. Uh, It's too hard for them, and they just they can't do it or they don't want to do it. Anyways, I highly suggest the book, uh, The Complete Guide to Asperger's Syndrome, as to how to start uh, learning more about him and how he thinks also uh there's a book out there uh 22 things a woman must know if she loves a man with asperger's syndrome that i also found quite good and uh, i'll link to both of those in the show notes and the blog post and hopefully that helps question 11 is my wife and i have sex about once a week sometimes two times i feel it feels forced like she feels like she has to have sex because we're married and just go until one of us or both of us finish. We don't even cuddle afterwards. We have talked about it, and she doesn't seem very interested in me. Saying sex is just another thing on a checklist. This has been happening for about a year now and has really put me into a major depression. Is there anything to do to get her to be into me again? I tried all the internet recommendations, but I'm just left out here to slowly decay. Sorry for the depressing question, I'm at the end of it and lonely in bed. Uh Yeah, there's a whole ton of stuff you can try. Uh, to be honest, it's too much to go through in a short answer like this, and it depends on a whole bunch of things in your relationship and what your dynamic is. So if you want, shoot me an email at j at com, and we can start looking into what's going on and how to address it. Question 12 is, my wife wants me to give her oral until she orgasms, yet when I ask her to give me oral, she laughs and says no, or she will do it about 10 to 15 seconds and then be done. I don't get to orgasm. How is this fair? So, I have five kids, and about once a day, one of them is almost guaranteed to say at some point, it's not fair. To which my canned answer is, who said life was going to be fair? And... Life isn't fair. Marriage isn't fair. Christianity isn't fair. And thank God it's not. I mean, if it was, we'd have no hope of redemption. Um, Living the Christian life means accepting things that are not fair. Uh, That's kind of a fundamental built into Christianity. So, As such, the kind of how is this fair argument works about as well on me as it probably does on your wife, which is to say probably not at all. In fact, if you try to pull this on your wife, there's a good chance that that 10 to 15 seconds is going to shrink to about zero. So what can you do? My vote is always to communicate. So for one, rather than be resentful about those 10 to 15 seconds, show gratitude for it. You know, we tend to train our spouses how to act. And my best guess, admittedly based on a very short question, is that your resentment about this shows in your attitude. So from her perspective, you ask for oral sex and then get annoyed about it. So why would she want to do that again? But if you asked for it, got 10 to 15 seconds of it and then praised her for it, well, then she might be willing to do that again for maybe even longer. Uh, next, I'd ask her about it. Uh You haven't mentioned any discussions about oral sex other than a request in bed, so why not ask her what her views are on oral sex? Tell her you're confused about why she only gives you 10 to 15 seconds of oral sex and you'd love to understand. Um, the trick here is that you actually have to want to understand here rather than just kind of looking out for your own self-interest. Uh, it could be that she has a very hard time giving oral sex for some reason or another. Maybe the 10 to 15 seconds that you get is actually the most she can manage at the moment. Maybe those few seconds is her trying really hard. And if she didn't, you'd get nothing but a look of disgust and contempt. Uh, we don't know what her perspective is, only yours. So and since you're not sharing hers, I'm guessing you don't know what hers is either. So ask her what? what her thoughts, feelings and perspectives are about this topic. And if that doesn't help, then shoot me an email. Alright, last question. Um this wife writes, My husband and I use separate computers. About a year ago I jumped on to his to do something quick and a couple of porn sites were up. When I addressed it with him he admitted he had been engaging with women, not sure if it's one or more online. I was hurt and felt betrayed. He showed some remorse the first conversation, but since then he insists he's done nothing wrong. He said he went to the sites because I wasn't showing him any attention. Now, anytime he starts to complain about not getting enough sex, it brings up these original feelings. My question is whether his behavior is considered cheating or am I overreacting? So here's an example of two sides of the story, yet this reader seems to only want to address one half of it. There's really a dynamic here that I think has to be addressed more than the symptoms. Uh, For where I sit, it looks like these spouses aren't focusing on each other. They're more focusing on themselves. Uh, If she was focusing on him, then she'd be more aware of his need for more intimacy and be looking for ways to meet it rather than seeing it as a burden. His, you know, quote unquote indiscretions would be a wake up call to her to say, you know, this is a warning sign and she should be looking at what she can do to help He, on the other hand, shouldn't be complaining about not getting enough sex, but rather learning how to communicate more effectively to show that he needs more opportunities for intimacy and to communicate when it's not happening and ask for help when he's being tempted. But that assumes that she'd be receptive to that sort of communication, and when she cannot give it for whatever reason, he ideally should be understanding and patient. So someone is going to get upset that I seem to be saying that his having online affairs is equal to her not having sex, and I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm saying that their marriage has a problem that needs to be addressed, and the problem is neither their lack of sex nor his affairs. And pointing to one or the other, saying, you know, what they did is worse, is a bit like being in a canoe and yelling that the other person's side is sinking. You know, there are no sides in marriage. You know, one half of the canoe sinks, guess what happens to the other person? Yep, they get wet too. And marriages can't fail in halves either. You know, arguing about who is more wrong is far less productive than working together to solve the underlying issue. That said, no, I don't think it's an overreaction to at all to be upset about this online affair. So, do something about it together. Talk about it, work through it. You know, use this as an opportunity to turn your marriage and make it better. Because the alternative is just to start pointing fingers at each other and go around in a loop and live in anger and resentment until you either die or get divorced. And to me, working through it, while it's hard and difficult and uncomfortable, leads to a much better outcome so those are all the questions for july and august uh i gotta get to september's because we're almost done october Uh, i've also been working on some t-shirt designs that we've been kicking around in the support forum because i'm getting more and more people asking to make shirts available Uh, so they're coming for the people who have been asking uh this probably means i'm going to be doing some giveaways to kick those off uh some people are Some will probably just be in the supporters group and then scattered around our various social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, So be sure to follow us on those if you haven't already. And of course, our mailing list, because I'll probably do a giveaway there too. As well, I have two or three surveys I want to get posted as soon as I have the time to create them. Uh, I might do a giveaway on one or two of those too. So that's it for now. If you have questions of your own you'd like to have answered, you can email me at j at dot com or you can ask a question on our anonymous "Have a Question" page, which there's a link in the show notes too. And lastly, if you haven't already, uh, I'd love a review or uh, just a rating on iTunes. we're um, starting to get more, and we're starting to come up in the ranks, and more and more people are starting to find out about our, our blog and ministry and podcast and everything from those reviews, so they actually do make a difference. You know, I always kind of wondered if they did when people say that, but I can honestly say they, they do now. And I got two this week, uh, one they titled, Answer to Prayer. Just wanted to drop a note to say thanks. I've been praying and fasting about my husband and my sex life, and I knew it was something that he was feeling frustrated about. I stumbled on this podcast and praised God that so many of the things I was guilty of and wondering about were addressed. Thank you. That- I don't know if people realize how amazing it is to see that written. Uh, she was praying because she re- fe- felt that something was lacking. And she likes this podcast because it's convicting her. Um, that is a rare person that says, I think there's something I need to address in my life. I'm going to go find the resources to tell me how, basically how I'm wrong and how I can be better. And then be happy when they find them. Um, and whoever wrote this, you're an amazing person. And uh, I think we could all learn from that example in all areas of our life. The next one is she uh, writes, Finding Hope, amazing podcast. I was starting to feel a little hopeless in my marri- marriage in the area of sex. This podcast has helped me clear up confusion about what I was feeling and what my spouse may be feeling. Highly recommended if you're in a Christian marriage and dealing with intimacy or issues. And that's awesome. I love helping people clear up confusion and understand more. Um, she says, uh, what my spouse may be feeling. I hope you can talk to him about that. Uh, and then you can know what he's feeling. Anyways, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for the reviews. For people who have, if you haven't, would love to see more reviews. Uh, helps you know what you like and... where we can improve. That's it for now. See ya.